You are listening to the Better Together podcast, brought to you by the National Association of Free Will Baptists. Welcome to the Better Together podcast, where we look for ways we can work together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we have with us Dr. Ian Hawkins. He's an associate professor of biology and chairman of the Department of Arts and Sciences and coordinator of science programs at Welch College in Gallatin, Tennessee. He has undergraduate degrees in biology and biochemistry from East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. He also has a Master of Science degree in biology from Vanderbilt University and a PhD in chemistry from Middle Tennessee State University. So, Dr. Hawkins, thank you for joining us and being with us today, my friend. Absolutely. It's good to be here. So you have a background in science. You have worked really as a scientist, and uh, a lot of times today it feels like we're at odds with science, and there may even be some Christians that say it really doesn't matter or I really don't want to get into science, and uh, maybe even some folks that would be in public schools or public universities, private non-Christian universities, thinking, ah, I don't need to worry about evolution or try to ignore science. Uh, why don't we start out today by you just talking a bit about why creation, why science, and all of that. Why does it matter to us today as Christians? Yeah, so I think, um, at least for me, the last 10 years has seen a kind of a switch in this particular uh, subject matter and the conversations that are being had. And it's it's kind of interesting to me that, that uh, especially in my undergrad and graduate career and my early teaching career, that a lot of the arguments were about facts and dealing with the specific details and things. And those are still important. But it does seem like there's been a transition uh, to talk about the deep things that creation sort of lays out for us that really our culture is having you know big big issues with these days and it's it's fascinating to watch um, especially from the theological point of view to look back at Genesis 1 and I, I mean even in the conversations I've had with people recently about about creation it seems like now everybody's realizing the importance of, of the early chapters of Genesis and laying that foundation for uh, for us as humans, you know, when we talk about things like, uh, you know, gender and uh, our purpose in life and who we are and our identity and all that kind of stuff really is that foundation's laid so early there in the first few chapters of Genesis. And so it's fascinating to hear people have this conversation, but it kind of from a different perspective now mm-hmm. to, to realize the importance of those sort of foundational issues and saying, we, we need to recover this. We need to uh, go back and and remember that foundation that's so important. So maybe at one point, people, some people maybe didn't think it was that big of a deal. And what you're saying is with all that's happening with maybe gender issues, transgender issues and so forth, that people are like, uh-oh, uh, that was a big deal. Yes. it's yeah. I mean, just the whole idea of identity, like who we are, is so much laid out in those first early chapters of Genesis. Um, and so I think, now, you know, used to the argument would be, well, which camp do you find yourself in? And, you know, how are you looking at those first few chapters? And now it seems like, at least collectively, most of those groups are saying, well, 
whatever it is that we believe about those, there's certainly some in very, very important foundational things about our identity that, you know, if, if we are created by God in the image of God, uh, if we're created male and female, like all these things that sort of are factually listed there in the first few chapters of Genesis, like that just has such a profound effect uh, for us as who we are. You know, if we're in the image of God, that, that just lays out a, a huge purpose and direction and, and quality of life that, I think people are searching for these days. Mm-hmm. And so I think many in the Christian uh, community, rightly so, have gone back to Genesis and said, we need to spend some more time here. This is really important. We've kind of neglected it because we didn't want the controversy, but we really need to, We've got to, to go back. It. and So unpack that a bit, uh, being made in the image of God, and, and really that comes down to it. You know, Why does creation matter? Because we're beings that were created in the image of God. So what does that mean uh, when we say uh, Imago Dei? We say that we're made in the image of God. Yeah, so so I think so much of the, the especially chapter 1 in Genesis, lays out like a, a number of things that kind of are clearly defined that I, I would say generally it really doesn't matter your perspective, like your, what particular scientific perspective that you would take regarding those first few chapters of Genesis, like that, you know, the fact that we're, you know, created out of nothing, the fact that we're created in the image of God, that creation is good, that that God not only creates us in his image, but also bestows upon us a job. Like he, he basically tells us to be fruitful and multiply. There's this purpose behind um, um, us being created. So all those things I think combined are kind of the things that we're going back to. And the image of God is such a, I think, a massive thing there. In fact, I was listening <clears throat> Um, uh, a couple days ago to a podcast and they were talking about the specific wording that's used there. And in essence, the way it was described was that in essence, what, what the author is saying here, that God is saying here in Genesis one is that basically, you know, you guys are used to making images out of objects, mm-hmm. right? You're used to making these images and there's this idea that, that that image becomes your God. And of course there's all this about idolatry in the old Testament, but what God is in essence saying is like I've already given you a picture of the image of God and it's you like I've already done it it is mm-hmm. you as human beings. And so that not only does that give us a, a huge um, importance but it also a, a massive responsibility that we in essence are the image bearers so how do we how do we then live out that and part of that uh, it just flows right into the job that he gives us there in, in chapter one about being fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. So there's clearly this understanding that that we are made in the image of God with certain um, people would talk in science about certain qualities, right? The idea of being rational and things like that, that would lay out this sort of connection. Um, like we're not the same as God, but we certainly are given um, characteristics that would be similar to God in those, in those manners. Um, and that, then that requires responsibility for us to then go and do um, what he's called us to do. So that, uh, you know, in, in our day and age, the, the, the types of arguments and, and discussions that we're having in our culture now, this is just profound, mm. profound. Um, another example yesterday, I was listening to, the, there was a recent story, I think, out of New York where a child had been bullied by, by their peers, yes. in fact, really hurt and committed suicide, you know, soon thereafter. And it just broke my heart just thinking, you know, that we haven't recaptured that idea of the image of God that that every person is is made with uh with, you know, purpose and responsibility and, and care. And so I think recapturing that is what what our culture is kind of looking for. Yes. So like so you're sitting here and you're talking about how important the image of God is. You're saying this 
with all this scientific background, we should point out all of the training was in uh, secular settings, uh, secular universities, uh, non-Christian universities. So how is it that we're able—some people are like, hey, what we're learning in many of those universities is the opposite of what we yeah. learn about the image of God. How is it that we're able to uh, instill that in young people uh, and, and do that ourselves if we should be in those settings— where we know what know about the real image of God and what creation is really all about. Yeah, this is, I think goes back to what I was talking about earlier about this huge shift. Because I think you're right from a from a secular scientific standpoint. You know, the message has kind of been like, well, really, there's nothing there's nothing really special about human beings. There's really nothing special about creation. You know, it's just an accident. You know, I think the quote that's used often is Richard Dawkins, who says, you know. If we look out into the world, you know, we basically see the things we expect to see if there's at bottom, like no purpose, no goal, like, you know, so he sort of reiterates that kind of secular thinking. Um, And so I I do think this is kind of the reason why we're having these cultural questions is because, you know, the secular world seems to indicate that like, you know, basically nothing that you do matters. You don't really matter. You're kind of just an accident. Um, And so it's interesting to me that we see it's almost as if humans just can't live that way. Mm-hmm. So if that's, if that's sort of what you end up with, if you, if your educational journey ends you to that point, it, it's almost odd to watch what's happening in culture that we sort of for, even for rightly wrongly, let's just, let's just assume for accepting that we can separate facts. Like humans just literally can't live that way. And yeah. so there's this pushback that's happening now, I think, and that's what's driving a lot of this cultural um, angst is that, you know, you have the secular side saying, well, you really don't matter. It really doesn't matter. And yet culture's saying yes. all the time that, no, it does matter. So there's this odd, there's this odd connection between yeah. what the secular universities are saying on one hand and what the culture's trying to drive home. There's this odd uh, kind of dichotomy. And we've kind of had the consequence of that. You kind of alluded to it earlier with the whole transgender business is part of that. You undermine yes. Genesis 1. Uh, you could even say the suicides. You could say the drug overdoses, deaths as a result of drug overdose and so forth is a consequence of just saying we're all deterministic. You know, you, yes. you don't have choices and uh, what will happen will happen. So a parent's listening to this, maybe even a young person, a secular university, how is it that they can go about developing a biblical worldview? And we can even think of it from your standpoint. Right. You know, you start out at East Carolina, go to Vanderbilt, and then to Middle Tennessee State. Um, I don't think you developed that biblical worldview at East Carolina. Right. Uh, so where did that come from, and how did that happen? Yeah, so, my, I mean, my background was— um, a big thanks to my parents who, who raised me in a Christian home, um, uh, in a very stable home. So I had a lot of advantages in that regard. And then, and then being in a local church that, that taught biblically, um, uh, and, and basically throughout my entire, um, elementary high school career lived in, in that world that constantly fed me, you know, um, these, basically these principles, mm-hmm. um, and I remember in college, well, and I had some good experiences in college. So when I was at ECU, one of my professors in chemistry was a Christian. And mm. he, it was a couple of times I remember in specific lectures where he would push back a little bit against the secular 
thinking. Um, Just to basically have students say, okay, you know, we tell you this and you assume that what we tell you is just true and you take it at face value. I want you to be critical, not only of, you know, maybe your background or where you come from, but also what we're telling you. You know, if if you're going to listen to professors, they're going to basically, you know, deconstruct, that's the popular word now, deconstruct your previous worldview. You need to also realize that then you need to deconstruct what they're telling you as well. Yes. Um, so it was very, it was a very good experience for me from that perspective, having a professor, not, not all my professors were that way, mm-hmm. but, but it was good to hear from somebody who had sort of been through, through that. And at the same time, you're also still tied to that church and that family yes. uh, while you're going to East Carolina. So it's not like you're away, uh, with a whole new culture, a whole new yes. set of friends, yes. uh, which is a big part of it as well. Yeah, that was really helpful for me. I mean, I had the luxury of, of I went to school in the same, obviously the same town where my, my church was. So I was still highly involved and everything like that. And that really is a big benefit. And I remember I had I had friends um, at, at college that had come from other cities, even locally in the area. And it was very difficult for them to stay involved. And that's one thing, you know, um, I think is something I guess we fall down on is, you know, having college kids be a part of local ministries. Unfortunately, I think the way the system is set up these days is when they go to college, at secular universities, there's a lot of good Christian organizations that work on campuses, but oftentimes it's separate from the local church. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of friends who were very involved in Christian organizations, but when college ended, it was hard for them to get back in the church because they had sort of you know, they were in college, they had been in sort of college Christian ministries, but it was separate from the local right. church, so it was hard for them to get out the get involved in and so forth. So, yeah. so I think what I hear you say, it's almost twofold. <clears throat> All through childhood, it sounds like you were being taught about the image of God, you were being taught the Word of God, both at home and also uh, in, your, in your church situation. You end up going to college, but you're still tied into... A, a local church, yeah. uh, which is different than being like with Crew or uh, all those organizations are good, but it's. I think you're telling us that it's important to be part of a local church and involved in, in people. And so I'm listening to this. And I'm a parent. <clears throat> I've got a kid going to East Carolina. I'm calling one of those churches in Greenville, or I've got a kid going to NC State. I'm calling the guys over at Haven and saying, hey, so-and-so is coming your way. Would you reach out to them? And I'm encouraging him. You know, Would yes. you stop by those particular churches and give them a try to try to keep them involved where they're at? Yeah, that's really important. Um, and I mean, the other thing I think as a, as a parent, uh, so I have a I have a, an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old and two boys, and my oldest is very inquisitive. Mm-hmm. And so he's asking, you know, the questions that I asked when I was 20, he's asking now that he's 11. <laughs> And so, you know, one of the things I think is helpful and was helpful for me, certainly later when I was in graduate school, was having people who I could, you know, ask questions about. Well, like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with this in class or somebody's asking me about this question, you know, how do I, how do I handle this? And that was really important for me in having people who were, you know, just open and honest. Um, I hope, I hope that's what I'm doing with my son, just saying, any question is fine. Yeah. Let me sit down with you. And I may not know all the answers, but at least I can, we can walk with it together. You know, we can find the answers or figure out, you know, uh, walk that road with you. And I think that's maybe some of the things we haven't necessarily always done a good job. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we shut down questions. And honestly, for some students, it's not necessarily, they have to have the perfect answer to the question. They just want to know that you're, 
you have walked that pathway too. You know, mm-hmm. you you have asked those questions. You have thought about those issues. You you know, you have sort of walked that pathway before them. Instead of shutting them down and saying, "Hey, don't <clears throat> don't ask that or don't yes. wonder about that," you're you're trying to help them explore and maybe get information through Answers in Genesis or other organizations, helpful organizations out there to uh, try to answer some of the difficulty difficult questions they run into. Yeah, there's so much good material out there these days. You know, um, the, the advent of the internet and a lot of stuff like that. While while it you know it you have to navigate it. But it does provide just so much information that's really helpful. Um, you know, if you have a, a a child or a student in your congregation who's working, you know, walking through questions that you're you maybe you not you're not sure about. Mm-hmm. There's definitely good people that have answers for it. And so, with that <clears throat> answers in Genesis, what would some other anything else come to your mind that would be helpful for parents as they're trying to teach their kids about creation and truth? Uh, in the settings they're going into. Absolutely, yeah. So Answers in Genesis and also the Institute for Creation Research, so ICR.org. Um, mm-hmm. They're both good uh, young earth creationist organizations that produce really good stuff. Um, the other the other one I would recommend, especially if your student is very, like, very interested in science, like wants to get into, like, the details, I think the Intelligent Design Movement has put out a lot of good stuff from the scientific perspective to give mm-hmm. students um, – some uh, some broad-based facts about what they're listening to and hearing from their teachers at school that really help them sort of get a broader perspective. Because I think sometimes, especially in high school, but even in college, because your professor's giving you kind of one point of view, um, and that's true no matter no matter who the professor is, giving you one point of view, it's just helpful to have like other resources. And I think they do a great job of providing those other scientific resources to kind of give you some perspective. That's good. And so we also want to encourage folks utilize the D6 curriculum resources, uh, church training services, uh, the Bible memorization, the different uh, doctrine, and doc- they'd learn about the image of God in those particular uh, endeavors. Uh, all of those are good resources they could find as well at d6family.com. So maybe check that out. Yes. And I, uh, saying that too, you know, I know some parents, I'm sure some parents, are, are nervous uh, specifically about the scientific issues. And I would just tell them, you know, obviously that might not be your area of expertise, but I mean, if you, if you really teach your child biblical foundations and then walk your child through why these issues that the biblical, the narratives talk about, why it's so important to them, I think that just goes a long way because mm-hmm. we're seeing, I was at a, a talk recently where we we're talking about different perspectives about how to handle Genesis. And uh, the students who were listening to us gave us some feedback. And a lot of them were saying, you know, like, we're not really that concerned anymore about, you know, evolution versus young earth versus like, that's not what we really care that much about. We're actually looking for answers about purpose and me going back mm. to the image of God question. So it does seem like their questions have changed in the past 20 years where mm-hmm. they're, not as much concerned about you know the, the the scientific detail factual, but like okay, what does that mean? Like just because you tell me that this is what's happening, you know, wherever in the scientific facts, like I want to know what this means for me and how I should live and stuff like that. And that's that's where I think every parent is well equipped to help their child, you know, walk through that. You know, when a child starts asking a question about who am I and who's yeah. my identity, like walking them through Genesis just has a you know, profound foundational. Uh, a meaning to them and it, it, that withstands 
you know, the, the questions they may get later on in life when they're walking through college science class. That's great. Hey, thank you so much for providing us with this information today. This is very helpful to us, Dr. Hawkins. Yes, I appreciate it being here. Thank you. Hey, and we want to thank you all for listening. Please take this podcast, share it with someone that uh, would benefit from it. Remember, every little thing we do helps. We truly are better together. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Good job. Let's do the science one. All right. Um, I quit saying yes. Did you, uh, did you feel okay about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that, producer man? Do you need any water or anything? I'm good, I think. We'll give you a little bit of coffee. So this will be, we'll hit <clears throat> science. Okay. You know, why does it matter? We'll probably make a plug for people going into science. Yes. Um, I don't know if I might end up saying this, but I had much easier time with the hard scientist than the social scientist. I think you're right. So um, I, I don't know that a lot of people understand that a lot in our group, you know, you're going to be you're in right. far better shape in the College of Engineering That's very <laughs> than true. in the psychology, uh, School of Psychology. <laughs> so we'll do that. <clears throat> you good over there, Mr. Eric? Good. I'm just letting it roll. All right, cool deal. Welcome to the Better Together podcast, where we look for ways we can work together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we have with us Dr. Ian Hawkins. He's a professor at Welch University or Welch College in Gallatin, Tennessee. He's also uh, been trained in the past at East Carolina University, Middle Tennessee State University, and Vanderbilt University in biology and also in chemistry, some of what we often refer to as the hard sciences. And so, Dr. Hawkins, thank you for coming in and joining us again today on the Better Together podcast. I so appreciate being here. Now, some people might look at you and say, he is an anomaly. He teaches at a Christian college. It's not just a Christian college. It's accredited an accredited Bible college by ABHE, uh, I think Association for Biblical Higher Education. But yet he has degrees in biological sciences and chemistry. Uh, like what in the world? What happened to you, Dr. Hawkins? How did you end up on this road? Yeah, so I, I started, my love for science started early. One of my high school uh, uh, teachers really uh, helped me um, sort of pursue that that love for science, uh, mostly in genetics. That's what I was really uh, interested in early on. So yeah, I pursued a, a degree in science at East Carolina University, which was in my hometown. So I stayed, I stayed at home and, and started school there. And uh, actually uh, came to Welch for a year and then transferred back to finish my science degree. And yeah, finished there and then actually moved to Nashville to, to do graduate, graduate work. So yeah, always been interested in it. Um, in some ways, sort of I felt like, you know, we needed more Christians in those areas. So how, you know, how can I navigate gate that, that world uh, and really help, help Christians sort of learn in, in those particular areas? So it's, it's been a joy. So some Christians might even think science is anti-Christian and uh, there may be some that think that it's even wrong for Christians to be involved in it, but you just mentioned uh, you think more Christians should be in science, and um, it makes me wonder what should the Christian's attitude be towards science and scientists? Yeah, I think I think as a Christian, it, one of the things that I, that's been um, interesting to me in my own career is to um, think about the way in which God uses our our rational mind and our interest to further his kingdom. Um, 
I think it was uh, as working at Welch. What's great about working at Welch is I get to sit next to you know uh, English professors and history professors and theology professors, which I, I enjoy. That it's much different than a secular setting, which I would be just sitting next to you know a bunch of chemists or biologists. So you get a lot of different perspectives, and one of the things that I've learned by being there is that. You know, uh, in the in the medieval when the universities were born, basically from a Christian perspective, the goal was really to have people have people choose a vocation, which meant more than what we think of as a career. You know, it meant your your purpose, what what God has ordained you to basically do. And I just I just see so much of that, not only in my students but in myself, of what God. Uh, has done in my life and opened doors. And, you know, we have students that I get to teach that will become nurses and doctors and dentists and, and researchers. And, you know, I mean, just recently, the past two years with, you know, COVID and stuff, you know, what what greater ability is there to be in a field where, you know, you're responsible to help, you know, public health or those kind of things. It's just, it really is a a, a field which which I think God can use people greatly. So you're kind of getting at Christians cannot ignore science because we are needed to be in science, and it's important to remember even Luke, you might say, was a scientist as as a physician. But, um, you know, you you also kind of alluded to it there a minute ago where science came from. And so it's kind of scientific method, and we think about universities and all that. Uh, I'm, I even wonder, would there be science were it not for Christianity in, in the church? Yeah, there's been quite a bit of research about this, actually not not that uh, in the recent past. Uh, I know in, in particular Rodney Stark has done quite a, a, a few, uh, written a few books and also many papers about this. Um, and I think C.S. Lewis even made a comment basically that the reason why people were scientists is because they thought the world was was governed and they were looking for a governor is, is a paraphrase. But that's basically what he was saying that, you know, science basically sits on the foundation that, that things are regulated, that we can understand the world because it happens in a certain way, a certain pattern. It has a um, underlying uh, uh, reality. And the idea, certainly when it was it was birthed, science was birthed, was that this is because there's a rational God. And so we're, uh, I think Isaac Newton said something to the effect of like, we are discovering the mind of God as we as we discover these scientific facts. And so, yeah, and and the history of science is riddled with Christians. I mean, mm. if you look at all, all the important people that you would read about the history of science, uh, most the vast majority of them are Christians. Newton and Boyle and Kepler and Galileo, like you just go down the list and, and they're all Christians who are, who are basically looking at the world and discovering it uh, from the perspective that they're learning more about God and what he's created. And often, often Christians have an easier time, if you will, in scientific settings where there's a belief in objective truth or objective reality. Uh, so it, you talk about a nurse, you don't want them you don't want a postmodernist nurse, do you, or, or, uh, or surgeon? Yeah, that's definitely true. It's it's been interesting. Uh, I, well, I guess I'm probably just in my lifetime. This the switch has been, you know, for a long time, people avoided the sciences because it was where they got the most pushback. I think as a Christian, and now, honestly, on college campuses is probably the the department that you would have the people that would most think like you, you know, that, that there's objective truth that we can't just believe, you know, that your opinion necessarily doesn't matter. We're looking for truth. And so it, it's really almost come full circle. And you alluded to it earlier. So 
you alluded to nurses and dentists, these service-oriented um, occupations, uh, vocations. Uh, you kind of alluded to that as well, that it's kind of like a calling. Talk to us a bit about that and, and make, make a case for why people should go into uh, those types of sciences. Yeah, so in my perspective, I think, uh, and this is one of the great things about being a professor, I think, honestly, one of the things I view is my m- most important mission that I do is helping students to see that whatever particular f- field or career they choose, that it's it's more than just a job. It is something that typically that God has given you abilities in that particular area. And so he is basically asking you to extend his kingdom in that area. And, and in the case of science, there's just so many areas, I think, where, where God really is asking us to, to extend his kingdom. Um, you mentioned like healthcare. I mean, that's, that's an easy direct one. I'm, I remember when I was in school, it was interesting because most of the Christians went to healthcare and not research because you know, typically if you, if you find somebody who, who has a degree in science and they're in the medical field, they're much more likely to be, to be, um, mindful of the spiritual, if, if they're not a Christian or not a believer or not, not religious at all, they would still be very uh, understanding of, of that, that perspective because they'll see it every day, whereas usually the pushback was from those who were in research. Um, but you're seeing that, that change quite a bit, that those even now in research and stuff are really kind of understanding this whole, this whole other area. Um, in many respects, that's kind of outside of science. Like it's not something that we can study in a lab. But certainly, I think many scientists now are becoming more aware of, of the, the spiritual side of human beings and that you can't really eliminate that from, from people's perspective mm-hmm. or even ask them to. Uh, you know. so, so it's an oppor- it, opportunity, really, because, number one, uh, it, people can see the Lord at work in many of those settings, but also we just have a—we really have a desperate need for— folks to answer that call and we need more physicians we need more healthcare professionals all the way around yes we do and especially you know especially these days um there's this whole area in science uh known as bioethics where um basically you you need people trained both in ethical and philosophy and things of that nature but there are also many that are trained in the sciences and so there's this really important um, uh, field now for us when we make, basically when governments, local authorities make decisions about, you know, what what types of uh, uh, medical research should we allow? I mean, the vaccines, for example, would be one of those cases. Uh, but the, the point I'm trying to make is like, we need Christians in those areas of influence who are making good ethical decisions about you know, when, when does life begin and how do we handle that? And, and what do we do about, you know, older patients and, and questions about euthanasia and, and medicines and all this thing, all these things that sort of come up as we deal with uh, medical questions. We really need Christians in these areas. So if Christians aren't at the table, they're not able to speak into what's happening and help direct policy and, and some pretty bad things can happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, <laughs> The problem now, and as we all know, that technology is you know rampantly increasing, and so the questions are just becoming more and more numerous. And unfortunately, we really need we really need Christians who are uh, very ethically driven by the Word of God to speak into these matters. That's good. Well, I know you're trying to do what you can. Your work at Welch College, working with in in the uh, science department, and you have a nursing program. Uh, what are some ways people could contact you and maybe look for ways through Welch to get more involved with science? Yeah, absolutely. I would love for people to reach out to me. 
if they have questions or or they they have a maybe a child or a student, somebody they know in their congregation who's interested in science, whether they go to Welch or whether they go somewhere else, I think oftentimes it's helpful to have somebody they can reach out to. So you could reach me, uh, emailing me is probably the easiest. It's ihawkins at welch.edu. And you can actually go to uh, Welch's website, www.welch.edu, and find find me in there and email me directly from the website too. But yeah, I, that's one of the the joys of being a professor is is working with students. Um, and you know, I, I, oftentimes I'll get students asking me questions either at church or you know emailing me from from other other places, and it's just a want a blessing really to to. Uh, answer, hopefully answer their questions, but, you know, work with them, wh- whatever they're dealing with. And I, yeah, it's, it's such a, an area I feel like we need more students going into. It's great. Well, we appreciate the good work you're doing. We appreciate the time you spent preparing yourself to go into, it really is a different kind of ministry, what you're doing. Uh, and we hope that others will answer the call as you have and go into the sciences and do what they can to impact the culture in that way. So thank you for Dr. Hawkins, for all you're doing, my friend. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And yeah, if anybody wants to reach out, I'd be glad to to help anybody if they're pursuing this area. So don't forget, you can pick that up at uh, welch.edu. You can email Dr. Hawkins directly from their website and also learn more about their programs, uh, the nursing program, the other programs that they have there on the campus in Gallatin, Tennessee. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you can take this podcast and share it with someone you think would be interested, we'd greatly appreciate that. Remember, every little thing we do helps. It truly does uh, make us better when we work together. Thank you.